Psalm 107 in uh, verse 3 speaks about the Lord gathering them, being the Jews, out of the lands from the east, west, north and south. This goes back to Jehovah stepping in and dealing with the Jews, saving them in a physical sense from the Egyptians, which would be to the south, the Assyrians, which would be to the north, the Philistines, which would be to the west, and the Babylonians, which would be to the east. Psalm 107, let's pick it up in verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We call this common grace. And common grace is a very misunderstood and abused attribute of God Almighty. And people will say, uh, I went to hell and back and uh, I survived this or I survived that. It could be cancer. It could be a serious illness. It could be a financial ruin like bankruptcy or desertion, whatever it may be. And in their minds, they think that uh, they're good with God. Of course, they are not. This is a huge problem. And after 20 plus years of doing street work, we've spoken to a lot of people over the years, as you might imagine. And so many of these people, maybe when I first started doing this about 20 plus years ago, were still from World War Two. Most have died now. And they would say to me and Patrick, you know, we've been, I've been through the war, survived this or that, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'll take my chances, sort of a thing. And of course, they completely misunderstand common grace. That's not saving grace. That's not everlasting salvation. It's God's goodness. Saved or the unsaved, Jew or Gentile, it makes no difference. God is basically good, number one. Love, number two. Merciful, number three. But don't think that just because he is uh, one of those three, all three of those attributes, that somehow you are good to go. You are not. You are a wicked person. You need to be born again. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. This was first found in verse 8, found here in verse 15, second time, 21, third time, and uh, 31 for the fourth time. When the scripture repeats itself, there's a reason for that. You need to listen up. Wonderful works to the children of men. Absolutely. Before I was saved, he saved me from many situations, many uh, scraps, many dangerous uh, things I went through as a young man growing up, living rather recklessly, driving too fast, getting into uh, incidents with uh, my vehicles. I won't say much more, but uh, by the grace of God, uh, I was saved. I was spared from serious injuries on more than one occasion going back to being a reckless teenager with uh, too much money and driving around in very fast cars. I worked half my money, don't get me wrong, but as a young man, 17, 18, driving a very high-performance car, mm, not a great idea, but you live alone, like they say. 101, excuse me, 107, 107, Psalm 107, uh, look at verse 16. For he hath broken the gates of brass, and cut the bars of iron in sunder. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Go to the book of Jonah. And we went through Jonah some years ago. And uh, it was a great study to go through the book of Jonah. And we spent, I think, maybe five or six weeks going through, was it two chapters, three chapters from memory, three chapters. And they got, got, a, lot of, uh, got a lot of good stuff out of that tiny book. And uh, four chapters, excuse me, four chapters. And in Jonah chapter 2, there's a great scripture, like verse 6. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Go back to Psalm 107. So Jonah was a literal Jew. I must, I must say that because some people say he was not. Like Daniel, they like to muddy the waters, but uh, Jonah was a literal Jew, and he was sent to Nineveh, modern-day Iraq, uh, the era and the area of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked heathen, and he was forced to preach grace to them, which of course he would do at the pains of death, and uh, to his shock and sadness, they repented, and as a result, they were spared for a generation or two. But he does die, and uh, he does go into a great fish. And while she's in that fish for <coughs> three days and three nights, he sees hell. This goes back to the difference between the first and the second death. 
This is why Luke 16 verses 19 to 31 must be taken literally, not spiritually. A lot of people like to spiritualize that passage to get out of the awful, harrowing truth that hell is for all of eternity. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's a guy online, he's a guy called, there's a preacher called Cliff somebody. He's a US uh, preacher, he goes to all the campuses around the US, done it for 30 plus years. Uh, I forget his surname, Cliff somebody. And it's called uh, Give Me an Answer, Give Me an Answer. It's apologetical work, mostly good stuff. But unfortunately, he, like uh, Frank, uh, I think it's Frank Tariff, another American evangelist. These are these are evangelicals, not, not KJV guys, unfortunately. But I've noticed with these evangelicals over the years, this is one of the reasons why I'm not an evangelical, is because they won't speak the truth. They sort of tiptoe around the, uh, the real stuff of scripture. And he's on this campus, this guy Cliff, he's asked about what does hell mean? And this young girl says, uh, so will I go to hell for her? Well, you know, hell is separation from God. That's Billy Graham, of course. And uh, God loves you, which of course he does. And uh, you're going to be separated, separated from him for all of eternity. But of course, if you're an unsaved person, that's what you do want to experience. For you to be with God is hell. And I don't know why these guys do this. I mean, I know why they do it, but... I don't know why they don't get more flack from people like myself. And I left a comment saying, Cliff, that's not the truth. Tell the young lady there's weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. It's not just separation from God. What does that mean, separation from God? If you've lived your whole life an unsaved man or woman, you are separated from God. Yeah. That's what you want when yeah. you die. Yeah. And I left a comment and same with that Frank chap. Frank, I think it's Frank Tariff or Tariq. I'll get the names next week if, if you want them. But uh, this is very typical within the evangelical world. And that's why I don't call myself an evangelical. I'm a Bible believer. Broken the gates of brass. 107 verse 16. Cut the bars of iron in sunder. So Jonah dies like I say. He wasn't resuscitated. That's also held by a lot of uh, Christians. If he was resuscitated, how is that a type of Christ? Was Christ resuscitated? No, he was resurrected. Be careful. When you approach the scripture, he dies, and after three days and three nights, the Lord resurrects him, number one, and the fish spews him out. He comes out of the fish, all changed physically, as was Moses, after 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord God. Jesus comes out of the tomb in a glorified form. He's different. Mm -hmm. Mary doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. So don't uh, spiritualize the book of Jonah. But with Jonah, he goes into the sea, number one, and the fish gets him, number two. And he's conscious for three days and three nights because, of course, the first death is what uh, that's all about. You are conscious during the first death and uh, you can speak, you can see, you can communicate. Luke 16 again, but for the second death, that's not possible. For the second death, you are dead, number one, as you were during the first death, but you're now mute. You've been immobilized. You've been uh, incapacitated. You are a worm. Found over in Mark chapter 9, Isaiah 66. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. The gates of hell <coughs> will not prevail against the church. Elsewhere it speaks about uh, unclean spirits chained. And uh, chained in a sense of being in a cell. What do cells have? They have bars, don't they? Yet has thou brought up my life from corruption... Uh, Book of Acts speaks about David saw corruption, but uh, the greater David did not. O oh Lord my God. Go back to Psalm 107. For he hath broken the gates of brass, number one, and cut the bars of iron in sunder, cut them in half, number two. 17. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. We call that self afflicted. Go to Lamentations, please. And uh, most people that are sick. If they are unsaved, are suffering for their sins. I've seen a huge increase in drug abuse over the last probably few a few months. And I've got a new route that I walk every night. Uh, and it's a great blessing. And I walk past this pharmacy every night. I see all the, all the, uh, all the druggies mm. outside waiting for their... Is it... Uh, what's that stuff they get given to alleviate the pangs? Is it... Uh, Mescaline, is it? No, it's a heroin substitute. Starts with an M. It's like methadone or something. Methadone. Methadone. Yeah. It's methadone. Something like that. It's given to you know substitute 
the uh, the addictions for heroin and cocaine, all that wicked stuff. And these people look very gaunt. You know, the the teeth have all gone, yeah. pinched faces. The women look like skeletons out of World War Two. The men don't look much better. And a couple of guys are begging at the uh, traffic lights. But of course, these people are on welfare. They got money coming in, got the rents paid, but they are drug addicts, alcoholics, and you see these people every day. I know I do, and Patrick does as well. And uh, they are basically paying for their sins, which you just found in Psalm 107. Lamentations builds on this, uh, chapter three, and uh, pick it up in 39. Wherefore doth a live man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Why are you complaining? You drink too much, you smoke too much, you do too much drugs. Uh, you gamble perhaps or you're not very generous you let your family go without your children go to school uh, with no food no lunch no lunch boxes and have to beg and borrow so on and so forth or maybe you're just the sort of person who doesn't think about other people and your whole your whole family just live in uh, poverty basically goes back to being self-inflicted it's all self-inflicted wherefore doth live man complain a man for the punishment, that's a powerful word, punishment of his sins. That term punishment, you won't hear that from the mouth of Cliff or Frank, is separation from God. What does that mean? Go back to Psalm 107. Fools, are you a fool? People say it's not very nice to call somebody a fool. doesn't say in the New Testament, if you call your brother a fool, you're guilty of hellfire. That's what the New Bibles say. They take out uh, three words, without a cause, without a cause. And uh, because those words are omitted from the New Bibles, you've got Jesus Christ committing sin. Mm. Paul says, oh, you fools. Oh, you Galatians, you fools. Is he sinful? Well, of course not. There's a cause. He has a reason to call people fools. Fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Drug abuse, alcohol, so on and so forth. And there's, uh, there's, other, there's other areas, of course, that people suffer with due to their own uh, sins. Anorexia, another one. We saw a woman the other day come back from street work, very skinny, very th nothing on her really. Mm. Her feet were like uh, flamingos' feet, you know, the, the feet of a flamingo. Nothing to look at at all. I'm not saying she's a drug addict, perhaps not, but to look at her, I thought, wow, nothing on her. Doesn't eat anything at all. 18. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near under the gates of death. They want to die. They want to starve to death. You find that throughout uh, society. There's a place in uh, Switzerland. I forget the name of it. They go there every year to kill themselves. Mostly middle class people. And uh, they've just given up on life basically. Life hasn't been what they wanted it to be. And they actually pay the government to kill themselves. It's called euthanasia. In this country it's still illegal thankfully. For how much longer, I don't know, but uh, it's something which is common in parts of the world. But of course, if you're saved, you've got hope. You may not have an easy life, you may have all sorts of issues, but at least the Lord is carrying the burden for you and walking alongside with you. Yea, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And uh, we saw that last week. Uh, thou art with me. Go back to the book of Jonah. And uh, chapter 2 again, please. I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Only a Christian can say that, really. You know this, that most religious people hope to be saved, want to be saved, but don't know that they are saved. That's always annoying with it, with the Catholic Church. They've got, what, over a billion members, and uh, not one of those people knows for sure where they're going when they die. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why Patrick and I preach against Catholicism. Mm -hmm. It's not because we want to just attack them for the, for the fun of it. Well, of course not. But to wake him up. Uh, pick it up in verse 1. 2 1. Then Jonah prayed, and the Lord is got out of the fish's belly. So now he's alive, obviously. But it's not as simple as that. Because, of course, the first death, you got uh, the rich man speaking to uh, Abraham, and vice versa. The first death is not the second death. The second death is the final death. And said, I cry by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly I cried. Out of the belly of hell cried I. And thou heardest my voice. He's crying from hell. Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip 
the tip of his finger in my tongue. But thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me, literally. Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight. That's a terrible thing to say. There's a picture of man out of the sight of God Almighty, but not out of sight, or not out of uh, sight, what did they say? Out of sight, out of, out of mind. Not out of sight or out of mind, but in the sense of, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So now Jonah becomes a type of Jesus. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, cannot behold sin or iniquity. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. And of course, for today, the church is the temple of God. But for Jonah, he's thinking about the literal temple. The Lord has compassed me about, surrounded me about, even to the soul, the depth. Closed me round about, the weeds were wrapped about my head. Yeah, there's some poetry here, but of course. But don't allow that to uh, take away from the overall meaning of this. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. Now, most of the uh, seabed is yet to be discovered. Now, they have submarines and they have these other obstacles that they use. James Cameron is the expert on this. Uh, Jack Cousteau was the expert in his generation. Now, it's James Cameron, the Titanic director. And he's been down it five or six times since his film was made. And uh, there's parts of the seabed which are yet to be discovered. In fact... Parts of the seabed are so deep that no, no, uh, no uh, object can get down there. Not even robots or you know uh, remote control uh, items or what what those things. Uh, no invention can go down there just yet. It's still too deep. And that's why it's always beautiful when they find new species. The earth of the bars was about me forever. Yet has thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Seven. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. Go back to Psalm 107. So Jeremiah, Lamentations, will supplement Psalm 107. But Jonah is a great type of Jesus. And that's why I say you can't, uh, or you shouldn't be uh, ignorant or make the error of just spiritualizing what he went through because if you do that the Muslims will get you basically and I've seen this week after week at Speaker's Corner they just jump on this whole issue of that Jonah didn't die was uh, resuscitated Jesus didn't die was resuscitated no Jesus died and so did Jonah uh, Psalm 107 uh, 18 please their soul abhorreth all manner of meat can't even touch the food gone off their food and they draw near unto the gates of death they want to die like I say they want to just throw in the towel sad really but that's what it's like for certain people when they just hit breaking point then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble that's positive and he saved them out of their distresses plurality of distresses that's common grace again now many people will speak about this or say I hit rock bottom and I did this and I did that celebrities are always doing this they go to rehab they fall out, they go back to rehab, they fall out, or they uh, go so far, then they get into trouble again. Sinead O'Connor, good example, died last week, or this past week, 56. I mean, it's pitiful, isn't it? 56. And she became a Muslim, and she was a Catholic, raised Catholic, Southern Ireland, and that was her first error. Not that it was, not that it was her fault, she was raised in that system. Became a Muslim, her second error. Uh, couldn't get any peace or joy, was unable to get uh, victory over mental illness. She was traumatised as a young child by her mother, physically and spiritually. Horrific what she went through, just, just horrific. Never loved, just completely uh, disregarded, neglected. And unfortunately for her, she, we think, took her life. We don't know. They haven't done the uh, autopsy or released it yet, the post-mortem. But we, sh we should know in a few days' time. But her son killed himself last year. He was 17. 17 years old. I got thinking about this a few days ago. All these celebrity people that killed themselves or die too young. Whitney Houston, Prince, Michael Jackson, Sinead O'Connor. I mean, in their day, very talented, very gifted. I mean, Michael Jackson, JW background, Prince, JW, Whitney, Baptist, Sinead, Catholic, became Muslim. And all those people's religions couldn't help them. Couldn't help them. Tragic. But uh, the positive from verse 19, when they cried to the Lord in their trouble, like really just cry like a baby, and he saved them out of their distress, says he'll do that to the saved, the unsaved.
common grace, like I say. He'll take care of lost people, saved people, but uh, don't abuse common grace. It won't save you from everlasting hell. 20. He sent his word. That's written. The written word. That's the eternal word. And healed them and delivered them from their destructions. That's mostly in reference to Israel. Go to Hebrews, please. And then go to, I think, 2 Kings. Uh, but I know lost people have been saved or let me just back up have been healed and gone have gone on to get saved but i've heard of lost people being healed of illnesses and haven't gone on to be saved you see it goes both ways god is a loving mysterious supernatural creator creator there's parts of god's nature that we don't really understand and yet when you really get talking to him really start to pray to and worship him just blow the roof off like eight like 15 like 21 like verse 31 you start to realize just how great God is. Uh, what did I say? Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Uh, 12. Take heed, brethren. Save Jew to Jew, the Jews in general. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Again, Lamentations 3. Going back to first, uh, what am I saying? Going back to Psalm 107 and uh, verse 17. Hardness of sin. Your heart's just uh, hard. Uh, hard as a rock, cold as a stone. So typical of people in general. Deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Aimed at the Jews, of course. Uh, that's why it's critical not to allow yourselves to be destroyed. Jump down to chapter 4. I want chapter 4, in fact. Uh, 4.12. For the word of God is quick, number one, and powerful, number two, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Three parts to the word of God. Piercing, cutting, even to the dividing, a son of soul and spirit. It's like a surgeon cutting into your body. That's why the word of God gets people mad, sad, or glad. Mm-hmm. Soul and spirits, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner, a discerner, can discern, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Oh, yeah. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Go back to Psalm 107. That word of God will cut you deep, and it cuts you so deep that it drives people mad. Go to Second Kings, like I say, and that's why street preachers get the brunt of it. Uh, they get a lot of pushback on the street, mostly from religious people, but sometimes from uh, non-religious people. In fact, this past week we had a run-in with our local uh, council enforcers, and they got a new guy on the beat, and uh, he loved his job. And he came up to me three times in the last week, and he said, "Me, what are you giving out?" I said, "These are religious tracts, religious material. We are exempt, which of course we are." Also, the same be true concerning religious, excuse me, concerning political material. And he'd been over to me three times in just under a week. And we clashed him and I this past Tuesday. And I said to myself, if he comes back on Friday, I'll be ready for him. And uh, we got to town and got this LGBT thing all around the town mm. square. I mean, free, so-called free concert. Of course, we're paying for it through our taxes, not free. It's free for the kids to go and see it. It's not free for the taxpayers. And uh, the whole square was ringed off where we normally stand, but we stood outside of this ringed off environment. You couldn't pay us to go into it. Just, just you know, nasty, wicked, wicked atmosphere. And he came marching towards me. This guy got a tattoo on the back of his head. This devil tattoo, back of his head. He came marching towards me. I thought, here we go. I was all ready for him, and he sort of walked straight past me. He, he deliberately sort of buzzed me, as they say. He buzzed me. He breezed past me. Maybe not even I don't know five or six inches half a foot i mean so so near to me i could feel his breath almost but i didn't make any eye contact with him i was giving out tracks speaking to patrick but i knew he was there i saw him walking towards me with his female sidekick and uh, he sort of brushed me like i say then he came back towards me and sort of made some silly remark which i didn't even acknowledge patrick did but i didn't and about five minutes late he walked over to me to try and break the ice i thought i now accept it that's his way of an apology you see and uh, he made some comment about the the gate not the gate the uh the ring what do they call that thing the railings, the railings. Yeah. 
uh, around this musical music event. I said it's no big deal. We will back, you know, we 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 will come back next week, and it'd be gone at that stage. And with that, the ice was broken. But that pushed. That's that's a picture of. I won't say persecution, but it's a picture of this guy feeling uneasy. We are Christians, religious people, giving out religious material, and uh, it got under his skin. But the law allows us to do so, so we pushed on anyway. Second uh, Kings four. No, what am I saying? Second Kings twenty. Second Kings twenty. Uh, let's see now. Pick it up in. Uh, I got verse four here. Second Kings twenty verse four, and it came to pass that. Excuse me. It came to pass a four before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord, there we are, came to him saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah the captain of my people. Thus saith the Lord the God of. Uh, thus saith the Lord the God of David thy father. I have heard thy prayer. Number one. I have seen thy tears, number two. Behold, I will heal thee, number three. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. And after three days he comes up out of the tomb. And I would add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. Going back to 107 verse 3. And I will defend this city for mine own sake. And for my servant David's sake. Go back to Psalm 107. So that's the word of the Lord. And when it's used, when it's unleashed, when it's used in a humble way, because of course you are dealing with a living entity here. The word of God is real. It's got a kick. It's got power in it. And that's why a lot of Christians get uneasy when you start to quote scripture at them if they are not living like they should do. Uh, but the unsaved hate it even more, of course. Psalm 107, uh, 20 again. Sent his word, written word, like I say, the eternal word ultimately. Heal them in the context for the Jews, but not unconditionally or not universally. I mean, Paul was sick all of his life. Deliver them from their destructions. It could be self-infliction, verse 17, but ultimately in reference to being surrounded by the pagan heathen nations. 21 again. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Found in verse 8, verse 15, and here again 21. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. It's always good to remind yourselves how good is, how God is good. And how wonderful he is. And just to think about that for a few moments every day. Think back to when he took care of you. Maybe when your child or your grandchild was sick. Or your wife was sick. Or your husband was sick. Or a neighbour wasn't very well. Could be 101 things. And you prayed for that person. And they recovered. I remember years ago working at a particular place. A guy came in one day. He was the cleaner. I said to us, uh, my mother's very sick at the moment. She's in the hospital. Had a stroke. And I started praying you know, to myself, privately of course. And I saw him about a week later. I said, hey, uh, hey Joe. I said, how's your mother? Oh, she's fine. He said, uh, great recovery. She's back home. And I thought, praise the Lord. I didn't tell him I prayed for her. Uh, wasn't the right time or place. But you know, that's, for me, a picture of the Lord stepping in and taking care of a lost woman. Who was dying? Now maybe she got, maybe she went on to get saved. Possibly, possibly not. I don't know. Uh, but it's good to count your blessings. That was one that came to my mind. Not for me, but for somebody else. Twenty-two. Let them sacrifice as sacrifices of thanksgiving, and declare his works with rejoicing. Jonah, one more time. The Americans every I think it's November, the last week end in November. They have Thanksgiving. That was started back in the nineteenth century. And it's a great concept, it really is. They get together, the Americans, and they thank God for the blessings over the last 12 months. Even the atheists celebrate Thanksgiving, which is rather ironic, uh, but they do. And, uh, of course, America's a great country, no doubt about it. We don't do that in this country, unfortunately. We're not thankful at all. Uh, but the Americans do it, and other countries should really follow the lead, especially if they've been blessed to have, a, to have an abundance of everything. Uh, Jonah 2, 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Psalm 107, uh, 23. They go down to the sea in ships. That do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Look at that again. They go down to the sea in ships. Not on the sea, they go down to the sea in ships. Now, when this was written, there were no submarines. This goes back to that Titanic disaster, was it last month? Seven or eight billionaires boarded a 
submarine of some kind yeah. and it imploded from within what a terrible death yeah. and uh, they're in pitch black apparently moments up to the implosion they had to sit on uh, the floor with no shoes on apparently yeah. one toilet yeah. for I think eight people I mean talk about an awful death I mean pitch black imagine the the screaming bang the thing implodes I guess it happened so quickly but now there's talk of a documentary being made about that event, that awful disaster, less than a month or so ago. And you watch they'll capitalise on that. They go down to the sea in ships that do business. See, it's, it's lucrative, isn't it? It's big business. In great waters, I think they spent a million dollars each, or maybe two million dollars each, going down to see the Titanic disaster. What a gory picture. These are the works of the Lord. What a course. Marine life. Beautiful. And his wonders, miracles, his, uh, uh, the, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. Wonders in the deep, real deep. And yet they can't go right down to the deep. Because of course it's not for them, it's out of bounds for mankind. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. That's uh, Exodus of course, and that's the New Testament. They mount up to the heaven, uh, like Noah's ark. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. We say drowning in sin. It's a metaphor. Drowning in sin. It's also a picture of one's baptism. Buried with Christ. Picture also the new birth. Born of water and the Spirit. Found back in Genesis chapter 1. 27. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. And are at their wit's end. We use that term every day of the week. Wit's end. I'm at my wit's end. I can't go much longer. My kid's out of control. My wife left me. I'm at my wit's end. Or I'm doing a job I can't stand. Living on the bread line. I'm at my wit's end. They steal words in the Bible, these people. Because, of course, the word of God is real. It's literal. It's alive. And that's why the King James Bible is always attacked. You don't find people making fun of the NIV, do you? Or the ESV. Or the New American Standard Version, NASV. They don't say, you're an NIV only nut. Well, of course not. Or you're an ESV only nut. Or you are a this or that nut. Jerusalem Bible, the English Bible. That's a real uh, travesty of a translation. They go after the King James. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, 28, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. Again, it's common grace, isn't it? He maketh a storm, he maketh a storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Beautiful picture. That took place, I think, in 19, let me think, 1939, Dunkirk. The British expedition force was sent over to France to rescue, uh, I think, half a million, maybe that quarter of a million yeah, British soldiers. Million. Absolute disaster. And my grandfather was there on that, uh, during that occasion, 1939, I think it was, 1940, 1940. And uh, it was an absolute disaster. And the king went to the country, said, let's all pray, which they did. And uh, the waters were calm and stilled. And I think uh, half a million boats yeah. set off from all over the UK to bring up boats, little yeah. boats, bring all the soldiers back to uh, Britain to try again four year, uh, three years later, yeah. which of course was successful. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves are of a still. He's Lord of the Oceans as well. Going back to the mariners in the days of Jonah who worshipped the sea. And that's why the Lord used a fish to shut their mouths or Dagon the fish god going back also to uh, uh, the era of uh, the judges of course and the Philistines with their fish god that's why the Lord uses these that's why he takes these deities and turns them on their head or uh, Pharaoh with the river Nile it was sacred water apparently and that's why he turned it into blood to show that he is the one true god of course 30 then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. We say safe haven. Book of Acts. Paul's on a boat. And uh, is being hit by waves. And he's praying. Number one. And he's fasting. Number two. And it says how the captain of the ship. Took pity upon Paul. Stopped his men from killing Paul. Again, that goes back to the Lord stepping in to deal with jo uh, Joseph's security back in Genesis, uh, Daniel's in the book of Daniel, and also Paul in the book of Acts. 
and they they get off the boat, they swim to the uh, you know, to the uh, to the beach, and they've arrived. They've got side haven, safe haven. You got common grace there for the sake of the elect, Joseph, Daniel, and Paul, and due to three righteous Jews, the Gentiles uh, back in Genesis, and uh, Melzar, Daniel chapter one, and the crew on the boat in Paul's day are all spared. And also the boys who uh, on the boat with uh, Jonah, mm. they were spared as well. Common grace. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness is back again. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. Again, Jew and Gentile, saved and unsaved, men, women, children, Oriental, Caucasian, Negro. It doesn't make any difference. God is good. Amen. He's good to all of us all of the time, sometimes more than we realize. And uh, you don't know what your faith really means until you've been put through the mill. And you've been really tested and just hung out to dry. Most people don't really know what it's like to live by faith. Uh, they've always had, or they've had enough to get by. And that's not a bad thing. But until it's taken from you, like it was from Job and uh, Paul, you don't know what your faith is really all about. And the Lord says to the devil, right, touch him, go get him. Kill his family, uh, book of Job. Take Paul apart, uh, the Pauline epistles, and see how those two characters, see how they handle the devil's, you know, attack, attack. see how they come through it. And uh, that's a great picture of the perseverance of the saints. 32. Let them exalt him, uh, like raise him up, hands up in the air. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people. And praise him in the assembly of the elders. So for the Old Testament, the church was veiled. New Testament revealed. Trinity for the Old Testament is veiled. New Testament is revealed. That's why it's pointless arguing about the Trinity from the Old Testament. You can do it, of course, if you have to. The best one is let us make man in our image. Uh, but it's always easy to go to the New Testament and use First John chapter 5. Or Second Corinthians chapter 13. The last few verses. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him. Praise and worship him in the assembly of the elders. The local congregation for the day for the Old Testament. The tabernacle going into the uh, temple of course. He turneth rivers into a wilderness. And the water springs into dry ground. A fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness. Aha. Uh -huh. You reap what you sow for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. Famine, disease, drought. Book of Revelation, it returns again, going back to self-inflicted sin. 17, going back to why doth a live man complain for the punishment of his sins. Going back to uh, Lamentations 3, I think it's 49 for memory. Again, we are our own worst enemies, right? As Christians, we all have this sin problem. Well, of course, our blood is no good. But even that's not a very good excuse. When we willfully sin, and we do, let's not say we don't, we do. Be honest with yourselves. But for the lost, it's pitiful because, of course, they have no hope. They are completely just going through the motions, hooked on, whatever it is they are hooked on. And they put themselves into an early grave. The same can be true of a Christian as well. First Corinthians 11 speaks about some of you are weak and sick. Uh, and some of you are weak and, weak and sick. And uh, some, some of you are sick and weak and some of you sleep. Sleep metaphor for death. You've died prematurely. Uh, that's a picture in the Old Testament found of King Saul and uh, Samson and of course Solomon. Three saints who all died prematurely. Why? Because they wouldn't say no to the flesh. You are your own worst enemy. That's the truth of the matter. 35. He turned the wilderness into a standing water. And dry ground into water springs. He reverses the curse. He takes part of Israel. When they go into Israel. Known as the land of Canaan. And they kick out the uh, wicked people. They start to integrate. They start to cultivate the land. They start to claim parts of Canaan for themselves. But of course Judges makes it clear that due to sin. In the camp. Like the tribe of Judah. And due to the lack of faith elsewhere in the book of Judah, they can't claim all of the land. 
Look at Israel today. They're still boxed in, aren't they? Now, I gave you those references from verse uh, 3, how the Lord saved the Jews from the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Philistines, the Babylonians. You've got one, two, three, four Gentile nations, four Gentile groups of people. And for today, they're still surrounded, aren't they? By Gentile nations. They haven't learnt, you see. They're still reaping what they sow. 36. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell. That they may prepare a city for habitation. We looked at several verses last week. Which of course the city of the Lord is New Jerusalem. But also the New Jerusalem or the uh, New Jerusalem on the earth. And New Jerusalem which comes down from heaven. The new earth of course and New Jerusalem. Sow the fields, 37. Plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. There's more than enough to go around. That's what was promised to the Jews back in Deuteronomy. But due to sin in the camp, due to rebellion, due to compromise, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah got involved with this due to marrying people from different cultures, not colours, but cultures, different religions. Because of that, it just turned the Jews' heritage on its head. The seed royal was corrupted. And that's why it's critical to be careful who you pick as a soul mate. But as far as God is concerned, there's more than enough food to go around. Old Testament, New Testament, even for today. You go to the supermarkets at quarter to eight in the, in the evening, kicking out time. Most of the food has been reduced. Out the back of the supermarkets, they have these big uh, rubbish bins or trash bins, as the Americans call it. All the food is thrown into these massive containers. And it's an absolute travesty. I mean, some of that food can be used two or three days later. In fact, just last month, the government have now ordered the supermarkets to take off sell-by dates. Yeah. Because food can be, can be eaten days after, uh, days after it expires. Mm -hmm. But because the supermarkets want to make a lot of money, they pull the stuff off the shelf and put fresh stuff on next day. And that's why I think it's a travesty that so many people are going to, hungry, going to bed hungry at night. Not necessary, not, it's not necessary at all. 38. He blessed them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to disease, to decrease, to fade away. It goes back to the Exodus. You have an account back in Exodus where the Lord tells the Jews to uh, get your cattle out of the field and keep it safe, and of course they do, and the Egyptians don't. And of course the Egyptians' animals is wiped out, and the Jews are spared. They are able to survive it blessed them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffereth in the sense of not allowing and suffereth not their cattle to decrease that's why uh, well, that's one of the reasons why Pharaoh was terrified of the Jews the the, uh, the boy children not only taking over his kingdom but also the animals uh, taking over the land and that's why it says back in the Old Testament in many places that the Lord allowed the animals to go in gradually or to to increase gradually because they would overrun the uh the land too quickly 39 again they minished and brought low through oppression affliction and sorrow they don't learn do they it's called the land of milk and honey milk honey being uh, metaphors for prosperity more than enough but due to sin due to complacency due to compromise Due to getting rich and fat and lazy and uh, taking your eye off the ball. Uh, due to that, the Lord said, okay, I will turn all these blessings into curses, which we looked at last week from Deuteronomy 28. That entire chapter will put the fear of God into you. It's terrifying. That's Jehovah speaking to the Jews, not the Gentiles, the Jews, about what he's going to do to them if they go against him. They are minished. Uh, like uh, malnourished in that sort of sense, minished, and like brought low or minished, like uh, there's a deficiency here. They are minished and brought low through oppression, number one, affliction, number two, sorrow, number three. Now, sorrow will kill you. I think it's Jacob back in uh, Genesis. It speaks for him being sorrowful when he was told about uh, Joseph being killed by a wild beast, which of course was not true. And he was very sorrowful and uh, he was basically dying of sorrow. And the words 
reaching that Joseph was alive, amen, was second to Pharaoh, number two, uh, number two to Pharaoh, and on top of that, he wanted to see his father. And it says how he was revived. He came to himself. He got that second wind. His spirit came back to him. He lived several years after that. But that's what will kill you off, oppression, affliction, and sorrow. Because if you are a Christian, you are a good soldier of the Lord. This is what you should expect. But the problem with verse 39 is this is down to the sin of the people. It's because they won't walk with the Lord. They won't pick up their crosses and follow him. 40. He poureth contempt upon princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Proud or poor, peasants, pauper, prince or pauper, whatever you want to call it, makes no difference due to their uh, contempt. Going back to uh, 11, rebelled against the words of God and contempt, contempt, contempt. The counsel of the Most High, the Most High is God Almighty, to treat someone with contempt is really quite shocking. I think uh, in courts, if you're found guilty of contempt, you can go to prison for up to two or three years. It's a very serious offence. You are guilty of contempt, contempt of court. And to be in contempt of God Almighty is even worse. He poureth contempt upon princes, uh, going back to uh, Jehoiakim, during the days of Daniel, of course, and uh, other princes that uh, fell foul of Jehovah and caused them to wander in the wilderness, a type of the world, where there is no way, like a cul-de-sac, uh, many ways in but no way out, it's like a dead end, where there is no way, yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction, and maketh him families like a flock. There's a great story back in First Samuel, when uh, they are moving the Ark of the Covenants, and uh, Daniel, excuse me, not Daniel, David is dancing before it. In fact, there's two occasions, but there's one occasion that came to mind this morning. And David is moving the Ark. It's a great, joyous event for the Jews. And some idiot puts his hand out and touches the Ark, and he dies, of course. And the whole village gets wiped out. I think 50,000 from memory is a huge figure, just wiped out like a... You know, just a, a washout, just a complete uh, massacre, and it says how it uh, upset the Lord, how it upset, excuse me, how it upset David, and David was upset. He was also scared of the Lord that day, which is good. The fear of the Lord uh, is the beginning of wisdom, and because David was angry that this has happened, and scared that the Lord had responded, they uh, part the Ark of the Covenant into somebody's uh, area. I forget who it was and uh, it says later on how the Lord blessed that family and it pleased David and then he realized he could now move the Ark of the Covenant out to that man's uh, property but that's a great picture sets a poor on high from affliction like that chap back in first Samuel and maketh him families like a flock just you know quadrupling in number uh, you find it also back in Genesis when uh, Sarah lies along with Abraham and it says how the wombs all closed up whilst they were in a king's kingdom and the Lord comes to him at night and says you are a dead man she's a man's wife if you touch her I'll kill you a dead man and he starts to panic and he says what have I done wrong out of the innocency of my heart slightly paraphrasing and the Lord said yeah but I held you back too I restrained you from taking her to be your own wife and after the uh, king had released her, because she was basically under house arrest, uh, the Lord blessed them, and they started to conceive. Uh, 42. The righteous shall see it, and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. That's also found in Daniel, the last chapter, how the righteous shall be aware of what's going on. But the unrighteous will have no idea what is going on. It's like today, isn't it? Righteous shall see it. Uh, going back to the goodness from the previous verse. And rejoice. All iniquity shall stop her mouth. In the feminine. In the sense of uh, Israel as a nation is in the feminine. Ships are in the feminine. Uh, you find this also in the book of Proverbs. That sin is spoken of as being in the feminine. Uh, wisdom is also found in the feminine. And I'll, I'll explain that more in a few weeks time. 43 whoso is wise and will observe these things even they shall understand the loving kindness of the lord 
So 43 verses, looking at the 107th Psalm, but just very briefly to sum up this Psalm, 8, 15, 21, 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Amen, amen, amen. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. You see it all the time, don't you, all over the world. You read about stories online, or you see stories online, you read about them on, you know, in the papers, people being spared this and that, and people achieving great things, good things, I mean, commendable things. That's common grace. But unfortunately, most people don't thank God for that. They say, I did it myself. I worked 15 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, I made my own money. You'll find that more the millionaire, billionaire people that have made an absolute packet over their lifetimes and they, they, they almost never give God the, the glory for it. Almost never. And yet he gave them life. He gave them families. He gave them a brain. He gave them intellects. They were good with money. They were good with this. Uh, they were good with that. They, were, they weren't illiterate. They were very uh, bright and brilliant, educated, went to good schools, many of them, and had parents who loved them and supported them. That's the gift of God Almighty. And yet they say, no, did it myself. I'm my own man. I made it myself. That's what they say. Nobody gave me a helping hand, which isn't true. I guarantee it. somebody somewhere gave you a helping hand up. Somebody somewhere took the time to help you out. They, 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 they mentored you, or they lent you money, or they supported you, or they introduced you to somebody who then gave you that break. You didn't make it on your own. It doesn't work that way. You may put the hours in, I'll give you that. <clears throat> but somebody came alongside you and helped you out. Whoso is wise? Uh, Daniel was very wise. And uh, in uh, Ezekiel uh, 28, it says that uh, the devil was wiser than Daniel. Daniel's a very wise guy. And we'll look at him more carefully this week when we get to Daniel chapter 2. But uh, whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. We know when God is good. He's good to us all the time. More than we deserve. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd all be six feet under. I mean, do you ever think about these things? If God stepped into time every time we sinned against him, who would be left? Nobody. Or who would be in heaven? Very, very few, if any at all. And God is very good. He's very patient. He's very loving. He's very merciful. And that's why it's always great to really just brag about him. Just, you know, talk about him and uh, speak about him on the streets. I mean, just standing on the streets, giving out tracts sometimes is all you need to do just to honor him to glorify him you may stand around like we do for 10 15 20 minutes nobody stops nobody stops to talk but it doesn't matter we're there we're present as are you when you do likewise i'm sure in your own countries and that glorifies the lord and it's also great for those of us to feel we're doing something for him so we'll close it there and ask god almighty to bless this uh, recording in jesus name amen and amen